Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. Praise the Lord. Well, God's Word is good. You can build your life on it. It'll cause you to grow. And that's what we've been talking about. You know, I've been working on this message, this sermon, or this series now for a couple months, I think. But, you know, I keep getting these holidays that interrupt my flow of, of this message. So, but I am keep coming back to it because I believe it's what God told me to teach on for a while. But we've been, um, if you remember back before the last holiday, we were talking about principles for Christian growth. And, and uh, we're going to go ahead. Does anybody remember what number we're on? 43? No. <laughs> yeah, we are on seven. You're right. That's good. Man, I'm impressed. All right. Um, so we were on number seven, and I'm not going to give a review. You know, if, if, you, if you wanted to, you could go on our website and, or on iTunes, and you could look back and, and see any other messages you've missed. But, you know, you can grow as a Christian. You don't have to grow as a Christian. You could, you could be a baby Christian and you could go to heaven when Jesus comes or when you leave this planet, you know? It has nothing to do with your eternal security. But I'm telling you what, as a Christian, it'll pay you rich benefits to grow up. To grow up here on the earth. To grow up in the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, you can grow. Um, in, in, what am I turning to here? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, Paul's talking here, and he talks about Christians, and, and he, he talks about the body of Christ, and he relates it to like a human body. You know, isn't that wild? You know, human bodies grow. There'd be something wrong if a person was born and never grew out of that baby stage. You know, babies are cute and cuddly and all that stuff, and you know, everybody loves a baby, you know. And, and you know, I love babies too. And, and you know, but, but, but I like to say this, you know, you, you don't even mind giving a baby a bottle. You know, you, you give them a bottle because, you know, they're hungry and you put a little bottle there and feed them and they, 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 they settle in and take that, that nourishment and all that. You don't mind giving a baby a bottle, but, but I'm telling you this, when you've got to part the whiskers of the little rascal to get the bottle in their mouth, that's a bit upsetting. So Christians, you know, need to grow. It's a good thing for Christians to grow. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, uh, I just felt like we should go here first. For the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we've all been made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. I want to tell you something. You're part of the body. And everybody in this room is not an elbow, okay? Everybody in this room is not a knee. Thank God for knees and elbows. Everybody in this room is not a neck or, or, or a, a liver or whatever, you know? Everybody's different. And we need all the different parts of the body. So what am I telling you this? Sometimes we think about spiritual growth, Christian growth and advancement, and we think of somebody else in the body who we would esteem as being, you know, more mature, and we think if we're going to grow, we've got to just be like them. I want to tell you this. God doesn't want you to be like them. 
He wants you to be like you. And he wants you to be who you're supposed to be. To grow up and look like you're supposed to look. Okay? He doesn't want you to just be a, a carbon copy of, of the brother or sister that sits next to you in church. He wants you to grow up and be who you're supposed to be. You know, if my knee was trying to be an elbow, you know, it would work funny. At least it would bend. But, but you know, it would be kind of weird, you know. And, and I mean, especially if my knee was trying to be a liver, it would never work. You know, it would make my liver quiver. But, but, but you know, God intends you to be who you're supposed to be. You know, he isn't trying to make you somebody different. Now, he's trying to grow you up. He's trying, you know, really what Christian growth is about is it's really about turning yourself inside out. You know that, right? What it's really about is, is it's getting the guy on the inside of you to express himself on the outside, okay? It's about being ruled by your spirit, and not being ruled by your body, not being ruled by your circumstances, not being ruled by the pressure the devil tries to put on you. But it's being ruled by your, by your inner man, by the real you. So the, the principle of growth that I'm going to talk about today, and there, like I said, there's been a number of them, and I'm not giving you an exhausted list. I'm just giving you the ones that God showed me to, to give to us at this point. But the principle of growth that I want to talk to you about today is being a giver. Say this. Say, I'm a giver. I'm a giver. Hallelujah. How'd that, how'd that feel? That feel okay? Yeah. Saying I'm a giver? Giving's an interesting thing. It's always an interesting thing to talk about, you know, as a pastor. And giving, you know, it raises flags with some people. You want to know why it raises flags with some people? Because giving is directly related to your heart. It's directly related to your heart. And, you know, really Christian growth is about getting your heart in line. It's about living out of your heart. Um, how many are ready to hear some stuff about being a giver? Does that sound all right? Think we can talk about this in church? In church? See, giving, being a giver, I've heard one person say, you know, there's two kinds of people in the world. There's givers and there's takers. Well, there's probably some truth in that. And you know what? As, as, as a young Christian, you're pretty much a taker. As a young person, you're pretty much a taker. But God intends for each of us to come to a point where we grow up and start being a giver. Okay? God wants you to be a giver. And being a giver is going to help you grow up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. Luke 12. 34. Luke 12, 34. Hallelujah. I'm going to actually let you turn to that one. <laughs> Luke 12, 34. So you can turn in your Bibles, turn on your phones, turn on whatever it is you read your Bible in. You can flip that. You know, you know how I think. Go ahead. I was just even last night, I was sitting here in the, the, the soak service, and uh, someone, someone said to me afterwards, Actually, I'll tell you who said it. Liz Hunt, because I like to pick on Liz. We love Liz. She's like one of our kids. She says, I saw you. You were on your phone during the service. I said, come on, Liz. I was on my Bible. Look at that. You <laughs> version right there. Tw 11 translations of the Bible. <laughs> she says, yeah, I figured. <laughs> so however you turn to the Bible, go ahead and turn it. Or you can look on the screen. 
But in Luke 12:34, it says this, where your treasure is. These are, these are Jesus' words. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Do you know that you can direct your heart? You can direct your heart. Giving is a way to direct your heart, to set it on God, to set it on things above. Giving will do that. Giving is a lifestyle, okay? Giving is a lifestyle. Can I tell you what giving is? Giving is seeing beyond yourself. Whoo, whoo, whoo. Did he say, yeah, yeah. Giving is seeing beyond yourself. When you can start seeing beyond yourself, you know what, that's growth. That's Christian growth. That's going to a place, man, where God wants you to be. Now, now, now don't get nervous about this. You know the cool thing about God? The cool thing about Christian growth is that we're all at different places. And God knows exactly where we're at. And he doesn't expect you to do something that somebody else is supposed to do. He expects you to be you. And he'll give things to you in the increments you need. You know, God is so cool. Uh, have you seen this before? Sometimes he'll bring things my way and, and, and I totally miss it. Or I get scared or I get overwhelmed and I say, oh, I can't take that step. Do you know what God does? He loves me. And you know what he does as well? As he brings it around again. So, you know, the thing is, is if you ever miss it with God, you know, in, in your, your Christian walk, well, hang tight. You'll get a chance to do it again. You know? Isn't that cool? I love that. I was in a church service. You know, I might have said this before, but I used to go to church down in Tulsa at, at, at Buddy Harrison's church. Buddy Harris is, is in heaven now, but he was uh, Kenneth Hagin's senior's son-in-law. And, and Buddy and Pat, you know, they're my pastors, and they're, they're wild. I mean, they're crazy. Anybody ever sit under, under Buddy and Pat before Harrison? Anyway, uh, one, one day I remember Buddy got up, and he had a word of knowledge that there was a woman in the, the, the church that, that had uh, uh, a dental bill that, that she couldn't pay, and you know, the church was a couple thousand people, and some woman came up, and, and uh, he, he said, um, all right, he had her sit down up on the platform, and he says, all right, I want everybody to check in your heart, you know, if you're supposed to give to this woman, come on up, and just, you know, he gave her a bucket, and she, everybody came up and gave her offerings, and, and, and I thought, well, you know, you know, the whole time that was going on, have you ever been in this position? The whole time, I'm a Ramus student at the time, I'm, 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 money is tight, let me tell you what, I didn't have an abundance of money. I mean, I, I learned what, what ketchup soup was back then and all that stuff, you know? You've been there, right? And, 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 and uh, I, I felt prompted like I should give, but you know what? I didn't do it. I held on to my, my couple nickels, you know? I said, man, felt this prompting inside, but I, you know, you can squelch that stuff. You can, you can just put it down and say, no way. And I did. And the whole service, I remember he got up and preached that day. I don't know what he preached about, but I just was kind of feeling kind of dumb. Kind of like, oh, I blew it. At the end of the service, Buddy got up and says, well, this is what the Lord told me. 
He says, there's another lady here. Or he didn't say a lady. He said, there's another person here that, that uh, <laughs> anyway, just went somewhere else. But he says, uh, there's another person here that, that, that you were supposed to get up when I gave that first call because you had uh, dental work done this week and you couldn't afford it, but you were afraid to get up and you just, you just didn't do it. You didn't yield. Come on up right now. So this lady comes from the back of the congregation and she's crying and, you know, feeling bad and everything. And she gets up there and Buddy just says, hey, just take a seat. He says, now I want to say this. There's people here that you were prompted to give and you didn't do it because of fear or whatever it was. Get up here now. And it's a, you know what? I was right up there in the front of the line. <laughs> That's how God is. He'll give you second chances. He'll give you, now, did I have enough to pay her bill? No, I didn't. Good night. Come on. I could have sat in the chair and taken an offering that day. But I was getting an opportunity to go beyond my little circle of self and saying, all right, I'm going to reach out and I'm going to give to that woman. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Giving will get you out of so There's a guy named Wayne Myers. I know when Rob Hunt preached a couple weeks ago, he mentioned Wayne Myers. And I, I remember Rob said that name, and I thought, I knew that guy. And, and I went back, and later I was reading in a book, and I, I saw about Wayne Myers. He, he, he uh, influenced Terry Mize. And you guys have heard me talk about Terry Mize before. He was a missionary in Guadalajara, I think it was, or somewhere down South America. And and, and uh, he's the guy that picked up the hitchhiker, you know, and, and, and guy tried to shoot him. And Terry says, you can't do that, and that whole thing. And Wayne Myers influenced Terry Mize because Terry Mize had a revelation of that if I give, you know, it'll open up the door of, of, of me receiving. So he said, I lived that way for a long time. He said, I, gave, I, I was a giver. I, I, give, I would give to live is what he said. I would give to live. I'd give because I wanted the flow coming back towards me, is what Terry said. But then he said, I got around Wayne Myers, and he brought me to a whole new level. Instead of giving to live, he said, what he introduced to me was this concept that I would live to give. Live to give. In other words, he says, I began to look outside myself and just make it a quest to find ways that I could give. He said it was just like rocket growth. Rocket growth. So I'm just talking, you know, I'm going to just ramble this morning. You know, this is how it's going to be. I'm just going to ramble. I'm going to try to talk about some things that I think people get stumbled up upon. And, and we're just going to try to go there, okay? But I'm going to ramble. So giving is a principle of Christian growth. Hallelujah. There's no condemnation on you. No condemnation if you haven't been a giver. But I'm telling you what, there's a higher level. There's a place where you can go. There's a place where you can rise up to, and God will give you that grace. Hallelujah. All right, let's talk about Cain and Abel for a little bit. Doesn't everybody always like to talk about Cain and Abel? You know, remember that story back in, in Genesis? And, and, you know, you got the two brothers, and one of them brings a, a, a gift, and, and, and it's accepted, and it's cool and everything, and the other one brings a gift, and, you know, Cain, or Abel brought a gift that was, was a lamb, and, and Cain brought, like, herbs and stuff of the field and, and all that stuff, and so, you know, I remember as a young Christian, I'd, I'd, I read that story, and I thought, well, what was the deal? I mean, isn't God into herbs, or what was it? You know, what was wrong with, what was wrong with Cain's gift? How come, how come that Cain brought a gift, and, and Abel brought a gift, and Cain's gift wasn't cool, and Abel's was? Come on, Aaron, I know you've thought about that one. Come on. 
I know that mind. Um, so what was the deal? How come, how come, you know, in this whole realm of giving, you got two people that are given, you know, and probably, you know, Cain might have had a lot of stuff he gave, and Abel, who knows how much he gave, but, but one of them was like acceptable to God. So what was the deal? Well, you find the answer in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, it says this, that by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. And God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. So the whole thing with Abel, the thing that, that set Abel apart and the thing that, that made his gift, you know, pleasing to God was simply this, that what he gave, he gave by faith. So, you know, whatever it is in the realm that you're given, you know, you can go up to this high level of acceptance, you know, in the kingdom if you'll just add faith to it. Dana, I quoted this last night in the soak service, but Dana, you know, she's always writing quotes down, you know. She loves quotes, and so I, I look around the house every now and then I see a sheet of paper, and it's got quotes written down. And so I was reading this one yesterday, and, and I think it was by Mark Hankins, and, and it said this. It says, it says, your problem might be complex, you know, but the answer is simple. You just got to live by faith. You got to have faith in God. Problems can get really complex. You know, problems, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of facets. There's the, the he shoulda, they shoulda, they woulda, they coulda, they woulda, oughta, oughta, shoulda, anta, whatever, ah, whatever, you know. You can get boggled down with problems. They can become bigger than life. They can become bigger than the Empire State Building. They can become bigger than God. But the answer is simple. Whatever kind of problem you're in, you just need faith in God. You need faith in God. So Abel, he, he gave his sacrifice, he gave his offering, but he gave it in faith. You know, you can get so desensitized in these matters. You can come to a church like ours, you know, and, and you can go through routines. You know, the offer, it's offering time. Hey, yeah, this is where pastor, he'll get up, he'll read a scripture. Then we'll sit down and we'll listen to half a song on the CD player until he goes, hey, you know, and then that's, that's it. You know, robotically, you know, writing out a check. And get your heart into what you're doing. Use faith in your giving. Using faith in your giving, I mean, you know, it could be the very same gift but I'm telling you what, it puts it in a whole new level. Praise the Lord. You guys out there? Yeah. All right. All right. You know, we're just talking about the nitty gritty here today. All right. There's two kinds of ditches. I took this from Kenneth Hagin. There's two kinds of ditches that people fall into in the area of giving. One is the giving by obligation and the other is the giving to get. Two ditches, you know. There's always a center of the road. How many were driving in today and glad to find the center of the road? I was surprised driving down 25. It was kind of icy, you know, and, and uh, I was, praise the Lord. I didn't want to get off into the ditch. And, and uh, you know, in giving, it can get that way. People can give because they feel obligated or they can give because they're wanting to get. But the thing is, is you want to be someone who gives in faith and gives. 
Because they want to honor God. That's the way to give. To give to honor God. Don't be one that wants to give to get. You know, and I've heard faith preachers say, well, you know, you know, you don't plant seeds and not expect to harvest. And I believe that. You can give expecting. But don't let your motive be that I'm given to get. Let your motive be that you're given to honor God. You know, most of these things are not huge. They're simple little adjustments that you make on the inside. But I'm telling you what, it'll get you where you want to go. You can be doing the same kind of motions, but just set your heart in the right place and you'll be so much more productive. You'll go so much further in life. Praise the Lord. So we're talking about giving. It's a principle of Christian growth. So your motivation in giving is to honor God. All right, Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read you this. Acts chapter 3. Hallelujah. 2012 is going to be a good year. I came into this year with uh, expectancy, you know? Expectancy for what God's going to do. Hallelujah. I love a new year. It's like a new day, you know? There's a fresh start on life. There's fresh mercy to go forth in the plan of God. You know, the past is behind you, and the future is before you. Hallelujah. Let's embrace Him and all that He has for us. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Did you guys turn to Acts 3? Verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leapt and stood up and walked and entered in with them to the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. Now the part that stood out to me is when this man who's begging alms looks at Peter and John, and, and Peter said, look on us. And he said, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I do have. Give I unto thee. Here's the thing about giving is you can only give what you have. Okay? People get tripped up in giving. You get overwhelmed in giving. Sometimes people get foolish in giving and give things they don't have. But I'm telling you what, God's only calling people to give what they have. You know? And, and you don't need to worry. You don't need to sweat it. You only got to be responsible for what you have in your possession. Peter said, hey, I don't even have silver and gold to give you, but I do have something to give you. I've got something in the core of my being. I got some, some surplus stuff from heaven here. Rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. And he got up and walked. I, I, you know, I, I tend to think that guy was probably more blessed than if Peter would have flipped in a nickel or something. 
sometimes people get tripped up in this kind of thinking. Well, when I have something, then I'll be a giver. It never works that way. It never works that way. Well, you know, when I got a million bucks, man, I'm going to be a giver. No, you won't. You won't. If you don't decide now to be a giver when you got two bucks, you won't be a giver when you got a million. It's much harder to give from that million stash than it is from the two dollar stash. So giving is always about things that we have in our control right now. But the question is, is are we going to step outside of ourselves and focus on other people? All right, talking about Christian growth. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That, you know, that's one thing I think about this group of believers. Sometimes I sit and think about the church, you know, and I think, well, what's, what's unique about liberty? What, what is it about us? You know, you know something that, that just is like a, a thread that runs through this church and hits every person? Is we've got a group of people here that are hungry. We've got a group of people here that want the truth. We've got a group of people here that want to grow. You know, that? that's true of people that come to liberty, is they want to grow up. They want to see more of what God has for them. Hallelujah. I'm so glad to be a pastor in a church where people come in hungry and they want to go somewhere. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You with me? Yeah. 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 All right. Talking, I'm going to talk about tithing. Hallelujah. Given to the Lord. What is a tithe anyway? A tithe is giving God the first 10% of an increase, okay? That's what tithing is. It's giving God the first 10% of increase. And it's, it's honoring Him. Now, tithing is something that you'll find all through the Bible. Tithing was before the law. Tithing was during the law. And tithing is during grace or after the law, Okay? It was something that was just there. It is a principle. What I want to tell you today is this. That tithing does not, if you're a tither, that does not, I, I hate, I don't want to pop your bubble, okay? But tithing does not make God love you more. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth. Tithing does not make you more of a Christian. Tithing does not... Uh, you know, some places they might throw rocks at me for saying this. We've got the ushers here, I'll tell you. <laughs> Tithing does not make you more righteous. Okay? Don't be confused on this. It doesn't make you more accepted with God. Tithing is just a principle that's in the earth. Hallelujah. I'm going to talk about why, why would you tithe if it isn't any of those things. My goodness. Well, here's the way it is. There's spiritual laws just like there's natural laws. Do you know that, that you, God could love you and... Everybody in your family could love you. Everybody in your church could love you. And everybody that you work with just loves you and thinks you're the greatest thing. 
But if you jump off a building 10 stories high, gravity will take effect. Because gravity is a law in the natural. You know, we know somebody gets up on a 10-story building and they say, well, you know what, God loves me. And they jump off and they think, I'm falling, what's going on? Well, well, you see, a law went into action. Just like there's laws in the natural, there's laws spiritually. There's spiritual laws. And, and it has nothing to do with if God loves you. It has nothing to do with if you're a good Christian or if, 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 uh, you know, if you're righteous, if you're going to heaven when you die. It doesn't have anything to do with that, but there's just laws in the Spirit. In Genesis chapter 8, I know I have it written down. I'm just going to read this because I'm totally off my track here. But, but in Genesis 8.22, there is a law that's, that's here in the earth. There's a law that's spiritual. It's actually natural too. That's how some laws are too. There's like natural things, but they're like a shadow of a spiritual thing. That's, this is one of these laws. It says that while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, they shall not cease. There's a law in the earth called seed time and harvest. And, and it says this in Genesis, is that as long as the earth is here, this law is going to be here. Seed time and harvest. So one reason that, that tithing is cool, it's a way to honor God, but it's a way of opening up this law of seed time and harvest in your life. Okay? I like it. It says, as long as the earth remains, there's going to be cold and heat. I'm not into being politically correct. Can I tell you something? Political correctness is a doctrine of the devil. Can I tell you that? It's a doctrine of, oh, no, it is. Global warming, you came to church to hear this today. Global warming is, is a lie. Nobody run out, please. <laughs> as long as this earth remains, there's going to be seasons. There's going to be cold. There's going to be heat. There's going to be summer. There's going to be winter. You know, I mean, we've had a pretty enjoyable winter. Dana made a statement about two months ago. She got up here on one of her ditties and said, I've been, I've been led to make a statement that I'm not going to complain this winter. You know, I said to her the other day, I said, Dana, I wish you'd have made that statement 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if you like snow, but, but you know, and I'm, and I'm glad there's some snow now before it gets cold so it kind of insulates things. Some things are just not going to change. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's always going to be cold. There's always going to be heat. There's always going to be summer. There's always going to be winter. There's always going to be seed time. And there's always going to be harvest. All right, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Malachi 3.10. Hallelujah. says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. Here's the deal. When, you know, tithing, it opens up the windows of heaven. Tithing opens up, you know, blessings in your life. It doesn't make God love you anymore, but it, it, it activates a law that's in the earth. The law is seed time and harvest. The law is giving honor to God. 
it puts you in a place, it gets you under the spout where the glory's coming out. Okay? Hallelujah. Matthew 6, 21, it says this. It's a rephrasing of something we already read today, but it says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Giving, being a giver, being a tither, draws you closer to God. Deuteronomy 14, 23, I'm going to read it in the living. It says, bring the tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place he shall choose at his sanctuary. This applies to your tithes of grain, your new wine, your olive oil, firstborn of your flocks and herds. You know, it's your increase. And it says this, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. That's why people tithe. What are we talking about today? We're talking about Christian growth. We're talking about a principle of Christian growth. And a principle of Christian growth is being a giver. Okay? Now, there's other ways to give. I, I don't want to move on yet. Can I read another thing first? How do you do it every time, first time, whenever you increase, set aside 10% for God. Honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruits of all your increase. And your barns will be filled with plenty, and your presses will burst forth with new wine. So the best way to do it, the way to get into habit, is whenever you increase, set aside stuff to give. Okay? Now, what if, what if you know, you want to give more than 10%? Cool. 10% is a starting place. I'm going, to, I'm going to read you a story. I, I don't like to read stories usually, but this one is so good. I'm just going to read it to you. I love this story. Alexander Kerr. You guys all know him? All right. Age of 14, Alexander Kerr was converted under the ministry of evangelist Dwight L. Moody. He joined the Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia in 1902. Mr. Kerr read a book entitled Judas Scepter, Joseph's Birthright. In it, the author referred to the vow that Jacob made in Genesis 28. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And, all, uh, and of all that thou shalt give me, I'll give a tenth unto thee. Now again, this was pre-law that Jacob vowed this vow. This wasn't under the law. It was before the law. The scripture recorded that 20 years later, Jacob returned to his home with servants and cattle in great abundance. He'd become one of the richest men of the East, as a result, keeping his covenant of tithing with the Lord. With some doubts, but a sincere desire to see whether the Bible was true and whether God's promises are intended for the people today, on June 1st, 1902, Mr. Kerr made a special covenant to set a tenth or a tithe of all his income for the work of the Lord. At that time, he had a mortgage on his house. He owed many obligations, burdened with cares and worries, especially of a financial nature. However, he was determined to prove God as Jacob had done. And he was challenged by these scriptures, Proverbs 3, 9, one we just read, Leviticus 27, Genesis 13, 2, and particularly Malachi 3, which we just read as well. Mr. Kerr often remarked that if modern-day skeptics wanted proof there is a God, the Bible is his holy word, and that his promises are true, all they need to do is tithe for a year, and God would prove to them that without a doubt, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Within three months of beginning to tithe, 
unexpectedly and unforeseen blessings came to Mr. Kerr. It seemed that God opened his eyes to behold his love and faithfulness and to prove his promises, especially in regard to tithing. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. The same year, Mr. Kerr, with very little capital, but with strong faith in God and his tithing promises, he organized the firm known as Kerr Glass Manufacturing Company. It became one of the largest firms selling fruit jars in the United States. At the time of the San Francisco earthquake, his fruit jars were being manufactured in the California city. Mr. Kerr had particularly um, had put practically every cent he had into the fruit jar enterprise. And then came the earthquake. His friends came to him and said, Kerr, you're a ruined man. He replied, I don't believe it. If I am, the Bible's not true. I know God will not go back on his promises. So he wired to San Francisco and received the following reply. Your factory is in the heart of the fire and undoubtedly is destroyed. I mean, think about it. Earthquakes, glass factory, making jars just doesn't make sense. The heat is so intense, the, the wire again, it said, the heat is so intense, we'll be unable to find out anything for some days. Malachi 3.11 says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. What a time of testing this was, but Mr. Kerr's faith in the Lord never wavered. He believed Malachi 3.11 and stood on this promise unmoved. About a week after the earthquake and a fire, second telegram arrived. Now, you know, you got to know, those are the hard times. You know, you believe God's word and all this stuff happens, but a week goes by and you don't hear anything. Do you think you waver? Do you have thoughts that come to your mind? Absolutely. That's where most of us have missed it. It's in that week. In that week, we give it up. But a week goes by, and, and uh, the second telegram comes. Uh, I totally lost my place here. But anyway, uh, it says your factory is burned. Your factory, uh, everything within a mile and a half of all sides of the factory burned. But your factory is miraculously saved. God's word does not return to him void. Mr. Kerr immediately boarded a train for San Francisco. The factory was a two-story wooden building containing huge tanks where the glass was melted. The tanks were, were kept at a fierce 2,500 degrees and oil was used for fuel. The building was probably the most flammable in San Francisco. The fire raged on all sides of the factory, creeping up to the wooden fence surrounding the building, even scorching it. Then the flames leapt around over the building, burning everything in its path. However, not even the wooden fence was burned, and not the building, and not even a single glass jar was cracked by the earthquake. That was a, that was, that's a great testimony. Tithing is a practical way of putting God first. Now, when you talk about being a giver, I, I've got to say this too. It goes beyond tithing. Being a giver, I, like I said, it affects every area of your life. Being a giver is, is seeing people and being led by the Spirit to help them. Okay? Praise the Lord. You can't meet everybody's need, you know, but you can meet the ones God directs you to. You can help the ones God directs you to. I mean, I've told this before, too, but when we lived in Haiti, it was, we, were, we had need everywhere, you know? People were constantly begging and, and asking for things. You know, I 
told Stephen this morning that I'd get my shoes shined daily because you'd give the guy a nickel, and it, 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 was, it was great, great uh, financial in, increase to him to get a nickel to shine your shoes. So I always had shined shoes in Haiti, you know? Praise the Lord. But, but you know, we, we couldn't give to everybody that begged. You know, I didn't have that kind of a flow. But I'm telling you what, we gave to the ones God led us to. I know there was one little boy that every time we'd pass a certain corner, you know, I'd give to this kid. And we had a real identifiable truck. I used to drive this bright orange Datsun. And, I mean, they could see us coming from a mile away. And we got a great deal on it because it was bright orange. Nobody wanted this car. And, and Terry Feldman's over in Bloomington, Minnesota, they just cut us a great deal, shipped it down to Haiti for us. But, but uh, they'd see our truck coming, and, and this little kid would come from wherever he was at, and he'd come running out, because we'd get, would, and you know what, I didn't always give him money. Giving doesn't always mean that you give money. Sometimes I'd, I'd be coming from the grocery store, and I'd reach in the back, and I'd grab a bunch of bread and groceries, and I'd just give it to the kid. I mean, one time I gave him a shirt, you know? I'm, and one time I remember pulling up to the, the signal light and, and his friends started, com, you know, big commotion. Here he comes running from behind some tree, zipping up his pants as he came, but he wasn't going to miss me coming to the corner. <laughs> Opportunity strikes at some strange times. But, 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 you know, we just blessed that kid every time we could. And, you know, I had a friend, her name was Virginia. She had an orphanage down the road from us, and we used to go and talk to her from New York, you know. And she, she had a real thick uh, New York accent, even came through in her Creole speaking. It was probably, you know, that, that what, how do they say it, Tordy Tord and Tord Street or whatever, you know, talking like a New Yorker, and I don't do a good job of it. But, but I mean, she was, she was sometimes rather harsh, you know, and, and I'd seen her before just rip up, you know, beggars that would try to beg, you know, and she'd just tell them off and spoke the language like a native New Yorker, you know, and, 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 and I remember giving her a ride one day down to downtown Port-au-Prince to pay the electric bill because she didn't have a car, so, you know, if we were going to town, we'd sometimes give her a ride, and we pulled up to my corner, and my, my little guy came running, and I thought, oh, and he, he ran by me, and he went to her side, and I'm thinking in my mind, oh, no, Virginia's going to just nail this guy, you know, she's going to tell him off. Before I knew what was happening, she's emptying her purse out into this little kid's hands, and, and we pulled away from the, the signal light, and Virginia turned to me, and she goes, he's the only one I ever give to, <laughs> the very one I gave to. She knew the story of this kid, you know, and she knew that he was a, a true orphan, you know, that, that, you know, I don't know, she just knew stuff that I didn't know because she speak, spoke the language so well. But um, God will lead you. God will lead you in who to give to. I mean, it doesn't need to be the same one that your neighbor's given to, but I'm telling you what, God will show you things. He'll, just don't violate your heart. Being a giver means living from the inside out. Being a giver means you're getting beyond yourself and reaching out to the needs of others. Some guidelines I just wrote down in giving is give, give with your heart. Don't give under pressure. You ever been there? You know, we, we do our best, you know, at Liberty to never make the offering a time of pressure, okay? Because we want to prompt you to give by faith and give from your heart. But if we ever miss it, I apologize, okay? We don't want, that's not our intention, you know, if anybody's visiting, we, we, we don't want them to feel the pressure. But don't give under pressure. I've walked out of some meetings, and I gave, but I, I walked out and I thought, I felt bad about it because I felt like I was manipulated into it. Don't give under manipulation. You know, give from your heart. 
Give in faith. Uh, giving is, is using your faith to please God. It's not a religious rut. Again, there's more ways to give than find. Here's another one. There's quality in giving. When, when we first went to Haiti back in, the first trip I went on was in 1982. And we went down to, for, for a twofold mission. We were going to help with the construction at this, this, this building, this orphanage, and, 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 and then at a hospital in a place called Peon. I like to say that. But Peon was a really interesting place because it had no electricity at all. So you know what we did? Every night we showed the Jesus film in French. And I'm telling you what, the whole town came out. Because, you know, I mean, when you've got a, we had a generator, and we'd pull that generator and crank this movie. And when you're talking about a town where the big thing is sitting down at the river scrubbing your clothes and watching donkeys and stuff like that, and you got people that have a movie, everybody came. So anyway, we'd go down there. In the first part of our, our trip, we, we did pastor seminars at this orphanage. So we were teaching these pastors. And, and God laid it on our hearts to teach them how to give, to teach them to give, to, to you know, and... and our minds struggled with it because these people were living in just absolute poverty. You know, at that time, the average person in Haiti made $200 a year. $200 a year. That's not even a dollar a day. And that was the average. There was people definitely in the city that made less than that. Um, I could, don't get me going. But, but we went down there and we taught these people, you know, opening the doors of blessing will, will start with you giving. And this is what we told them. We said, listen, you might not have any money, but find something to give. Get yourself into a place where you're, you're breaking out of this rut and be a giver. And we told them, don't just go down to the river and get a rock and put it in the offering. What did I say? I said, there's quality in giving. We said, go down to the river, get a rock, and polish that baby. Make it look good. Make it look desirable. And then give it. There's quality in giving. You know, there's a lot of stories in the Bible. There's the widow that gave uh, the prophet her last cake and, and last piece, bit of oil. I mean, that was precious to her. There was, there was, there was her heart was in it. You know, she was, it was an act of faith to do it. Rebecca, when she got cam, or the camel's water, she didn't just get the, 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 the water for the man. She, she got water for the camels. She went the second mile. Jesus said, you know, if someone asks you to go, to go a mile, he said, go the second mile. You see, in that day, the law was that if a Roman soldier came up to you, it was the law that, that if they asked you to go with them a mile and carry their pack, you had to do it. So all you were doing when you went a mile with a Roman soldier was you were doing what was required. So that, and you could say this, that in that first mile, the Roman soldier had you. But when you get to the end of that mile and you say, guess what, we're going to go another mile. In that second mile, you've got him. Okay? Does that make sense? So given, there's a quality in giving. You know, don't just give junk to get, get rid of it. Sometimes people, you know, want to just get rid of clean the closet. But give with quality. Give from your heart. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 9, 7, I'll close with this. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly 
or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. <clears throat> give from your heart, not under pressure, and give cheerfully in faith. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.